This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03, midweek Wednesday afternoon, January 17th, 2024. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Owners of electric vehicles are reporting charging issues during the extreme cold. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, it's a big day for economic data, including the latest numbers on retail sales and manufacturing. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to Bring your business home is Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy with the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Paul, thank you for joining us today. And uh, if these numbers are to be believed, the American consumer gave retailers a very Merry Christmas in December. (laughs) Yes, that's right, Rob. Uh, The retail sales number was strong. And uh, we need to remember, though, that a lot of that was uh, buy now, pay later plans, which hit a record Uh, between Black Friday and the end of the year. So probably not the best month to assess uh, the overall health of the consumer, but certainly enough to get the stock market thinking about overly optimistic plans for the Federal Reserve in 2024. Now, the the, the analysis this morning kind of came with the caveat that said uh, Americans are piling more debt on credit cards and buy now, pay later plans, all that pandemic savings, you know, they're gone. But on the other side of that coin is that it seems like you have a confident consumer because they are secure in their job and maybe they received a, a raise or two that allowed their pay to keep up with the rate of inflation. They they may have received a raise or two, and, and wages are growing at about 4%, and that's just a little bit above inflation. But keep in mind that we've had a very big increase in prices over the last couple of years, two and a half years. And so when you take the current price level with all of that past inflation, even if inflation's coming down today, in other words, eggs, it's $6 a dozen, you still have to pay $6 for a dozen eggs, even if you got a raise. Uh, so when we take and adjust incomes and savings for that overall increase in price since the the pandemic began, what you get is in real purchasing terms, inflation adjusted, people are able to buy less today than they were in the future. I think that's why credit cards are going up by so much. Uh, It's just to be able to afford the higher prices. That cannot continue for very much longer. Home builder sentiment improving for the second straight month, and that's directly tied to mortgage rates, it would seem. Yes, and then mortgage rates have come down uh, a little bit, uh, and certainly there were people ready to snap those up. But uh, the, the overall trajectory of the housing market still remains neutral to, to negative. Uh, you've got a lot of people uh, in homes uh, with uh, very low mortgage rates, and those homes are going to remain locked up and unavailable for sale as long as mortgage rates remain in that 6 7 8% range. Even if they've come down a little bit, it's not enough to get those homes unlocked and open for sale. 
Industrial production ticking up one-tenth of a percent in December, but uh, the manufacturing sector, if you want to talk about sector-specific uh, issues, uh, one could make the argument that the manufacturing sector is in a recession. Is this the result of higher interest rates, or is this the result of uh, of, of, of manufacturers uh, carrying their industrial production forward by a couple of months because they were struggling to keep up with demand several years ago? Yeah, it's, it's a little of both, uh, and and you've got uh, uh, manufacturers, especially in those what we call short cycle goods. So think of uh, TVs, uh, telephones, toasters, uh, all of those things that are consumer goods that take a short period of time to make. Those are the ones that are really struggling right now. But but as companies bring factories home from Asia, especially from China, they need a lot of those great big machines that make goods in factories, robots and so forth, things that make airplanes, and all of that stuff is on back order still. Uh, And so the the makers of capital equipment are doing quite well, but the overall manufacturing picture for consumer goods is not quite as good. In fact, it's, it's rather negative. Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, it appears the cold wave is not good for electric vehicles. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The deep freeze we're in is presenting major problems for owners of electric vehicles. We're joined by Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, thank you for joining us today. And the extremely cold weather is tough on everyone and everything. And uh, that is especially the case for owners of electric vehicles who are learning a a lesson the hard way, you might say, about uh, electric charge in extremely cold weather. It's true. If you have an electric vehicle, you are facing much lower efficiency when it comes to charging in cold weather. And full disclosure, I have an electric vehicle. I live in the mountains, just uh, the mountains above Salt Lake City. It gets real cold here, too. But unlike folks who got stuck in Chicago, or many folks, not all of them, obviously, but I have a garage. And my garage isn't heated or anything, but it is warmer than the extreme cold that's just outside. Um, that's due to, you know, a little warmth leaking from the house and so forth, those inefficiencies. But the point is, if a battery is extremely cold, it will not charge as quickly. The biggest problem was not... Um, in fact, the, 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 it wasn't the, the problem, the technology in the car. The problem was charging stations were down or there weren't enough to satisfy the demand for those charging stations. If you look at where these electric vehicles are most popular, they're in some of the coldest countries, in, the, in, the, in Norway, Sweden, many of the Scandinavian countries. So the problem wasn't just the battery. It was also the lack of charging stations. So what we're talking about here is that the cars themselves, they can start or they can at least operate in the cold weather. The problem is, is when you take them up to, uh, to, to, to recharge that battery, the charging time is considerably longer in the colder weather uh, compared to uh, a more temperate climate. That's exactly right. And by the way, one other point on that. Most people don't know, even folks who own an EV, I found this out sort of recently, is there are actually two batteries on board an EV, an electric vehicle. Um, there's a 12-volt low-voltage battery, just like in gasoline-powered engines. That 12-volt battery gets the starter, gets the, you know, the motor turning over, and so forth. If that 12-volt battery goes down in the EV, it also does not allow the charging of the larger battery in the car. So you have to jumpstart the 12-volt to get things rolling, just like you'd have to jumpstart the 12-volt to get your gas engine started. So that cold affects all of those things. But yes, lack of charging stations or slow charging. So somebody sitting there with a dead car, and then by the way, slow charging when they're sitting in their car, staying warm 
uh, you know, de- depleting the battery, it takes longer to charge again. So all those things conspired in Chicago to make it a real miserable night. We're talking to Paul Hockman about the uh, issues that EVs are facing in extremely cold weather. Now, we have we have done stories, our newsroom, uh, on this situation, and more often than not, we are talking to the owners of Teslas. Is this a Tesla-specific issue, or does this cut across the entire electric vehicle space? You know, I, I don't want I don't know what's going to happen if I tell you that it's mostly Tesla because um, Elon Musk is probably listening. But anyway, <laughs> he's a loyal listener, as a matter of fact. Yeah, they're, we they're taught him everything he knows. <laughs> I knew that. And, um, and and what I would say about that is, yes, Tesla may have confronted a slower charging problem in its vehicles than, say, some of the other vehicles that are out there, the electric vehicles. I know Volvo. There are people obviously in, in, in Kias and, and all kinds of other brands. But it may have been that. However, again, I have to point to charging stations and the lack thereof. In recent years, you know, Norway, for example, has built more charging ports, and so, and the but the bunch and so they have a less lesser of a problem there. Plus, majority of people in Norway live in houses, not apartments. So those are all, like I said, they conspired to make it miserable. Tesla is not alone in this, but it may have been a Tesla priority problem. Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, former tech editor for the Today Show, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next on this Personal Finance Wednesday, a low-risk way to unlock financial growth. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Surveys indicate around 4 in 10 Americans have never opened a certificate of deposit, a.k.a. a CD. Let's discuss their value and if it's a good time to start one with Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thank you for joining us today. And and, and for the longest time, up until the uh, interest rate high uh, cycle began at the end of 21, the beginning of 2022. We had been in such a low interest rate environment for so long. Uh, did CDs just basically uh, disappear from the consumer banking radar? 
I think that's an accurate statement. I mean, when you are trying to uh, lock in an attractive rate for your retirement assets or any part of your portfolio, for that matter, you want uh, to get a high rate. And when a CD is offering less than 1% and you don't know what inflation in the future is going to do, why would you lock in such a low rate? So I think that is an accurate statement as to why your statistic you gave there in the intro about how many Americans have never even thought about buying a CD. It's interesting. Uh, I don't know if if you fall down uh, similar YouTube rabbit holes, but every now and then I'll find myself watching an old TV show that was recorded uh, off of local television about 40 years ago. And you see these commercials for uh, long gone uh, banks that have been merged out of existence. And uh, in the early 80s, the first consumer banking product uh, that these financial institutions offered were CDs. Because in 1981 and 82, the prime rate was in in, in double-digit territory, and that was a very attractive product back then. Absolutely, and I think that's the key to understanding the the question that really we're we're discussing today, which is, is a CD a good product now for the future? And really, it's a bet on where you think interest rates were going. And you mentioned 81 and 82. That was when the uh, the interest rate on treasuries, as well as the prime rate and other rates that are used as benchmarks for CDs, they were at their peak. I mean, you could get uh, close to uh, 20% on some of these products. And of course, at the time, everyone thought inflation was going to continue going out of control. And therefore, why would you lock in a 15% rate when you think inflation is going to be at 20%? But of course, in retrospect, we now see that was the peak and interest rates over the next 30 or 40 years declined almost to zero in recent years. And so really the bet now is, do you think interest rates are going to go up or down? And I guess the the most important thing to say in that regard is that it's anyone's bet. Um, I've been for several decades now tracking the performance of people who try to predict interest rate movements. And I can tell you that on average, they're no better than a coin flip. So it's possible that interest rates are going to go back up now, even though the consensus seems to be that interest rates are going down. And if they're right, then if, if the right decla- rights are declining, then locking in a rate with a CD is a very smart move. But if interest rates go back up again, inflation heats up and so forth, then you'll be kicking yourself. If, uh, if, is it very easy to get lost in the reeds uh, or the weeds when you go uh, interest rate shopping? Because uh, you do hear about uh, you know, there are online-only institutions that are offering uh, a rate of 5% or maybe uh, you have uh, your money in your existing financial institution and they're offering maybe in the upper fours. Uh, when, you, when you try to find a CD, if you are confident this is as, as good as it gets as far as uh, interest rates are concerned, uh, what What's, what's the best bet? Well, I think you're quite right to focus on what's really meaningful. I mean, if you look at the typical CD that you or I or most people listening to this program will probably buy, the difference between 5% and, let's say, a 5.1% or a 4.9% rate over the life of the CD is not going to buy you many cups of coffee at your local Starbucks. So it doesn't really make that much of a difference, even though everyone likes to get the highest possible rate. So it reminds me of that classic saying from uh, Star Trek that a difference that makes no difference is not a difference. And we need to really focus on what's important. The difference, if we can get a 5% CD when everyone else or other competing products are only giving you 1% or 2%, yeah, that's something worth going for. But if, for example, moving away from your current institution 
institution to, a, let's say, an online institution and so forth involves a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of uh, bookkeeping that you'll have to do tax time because you have lots of different institutions. It may just not be worth it, even if you are able to eke out a few more pennies or dollars of interest. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Thank you for joining us today. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A river in Will County is breaching its banks due to huge ice jams. The government reclassifies a Middle East group that's been preying on international shipping. Personal Finance Wednesday, a social media trend that focuses on cutting your spending to maximize saving. And a federal judge has blocked the proposed merger of JetBlue Airways and Spirit Airlines. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down. 159 points. The Nasdaq is down 171. The S&P 500 is down 43. We have 14 degrees right now at O'Hare under partly sunny skies, topping out at 18 today. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. A flood warning has been issued for residents who live near the Kankakee River in unincorporated Wilmington as the river fills with uncontained ice. Randy Barton used to live near the water and tells CBS2 he understands his old neighbor's fears. It's a lot of work. <laughs> That's the problem. The, the cleanup and stuff is just, you know, so, and it does a lot of damage too, you know, especially the ice stuff. That's what that's what really does damage. The Will County Emergency Management Agency says crews are assessing the damage. It's also urging people not to cross flooded roads or walk in flooded parks or yards. The United States is designating the Iran-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen as a special, a specially designated global terrorist organization. In a briefing for reporters, officials stressed that they're targeting the Houthis for their attacks on ships in the Red Sea, not the people of Yemen, millions of whom are in dire need of food and other humanitarian aid. The designation doesn't mean the U.S. won't engage in diplomacy with the Houthis. Christopher Cruz, CBS News, Washington. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are lower again today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Art Hogan, chief market strategist with B. Riley Financial in New York. Art, thank you for joining us today. And when it comes to that retail sales report, it seems like a case of good news news being bad news for the markets. Yeah, you know, there's a combination of things. Retail sales data for December came in a bit stronger than expected, indicating we continue to have a resilient consumer. And uh, as you look at that and, and, and couple that with um, the Federal Reserve uh, a member Waller yesterday talking about the pace of rate cuts and when they may start, you've got uh, yields on a 10-year up to uh, 4.12. And clearly, that's uh, instilling a little bit of a risk-off attitude in markets. While we're not down precipitously, we're certainly lower for a couple of days in a row in this holiday shortened week. And this was a situation, even at the end of the year, where it seemed like there was a great deal of uh, exuberance about the idea that the Fed would be cutting rates as early as March. There were some cautionary voices saying, hey, wait a minute, maybe that's a little bit too early based on the information we have right now. And uh, it just seems like you're the one guy at the party telling everybody else to quiet down. The cops are coming. Nobody listened to you. Yeah, I think you have to think about the fact that, first and foremost, the Fed just pivoted to being dovish in December, right? And that in their dot plots, they penciled in about three rate cuts 
and Wall Street immediately went to six. So there's a there's a delta between where the street thinks uh, the Fed, what the Fed's going to do and what the Fed thinks at this point in time they're going to do. Now, neither has been correct throughout the cycle, and sometimes they meet in the middle, and that's likely what will happen this year. And we'll have a plethora of data between now and when the Fed meets on March 24th. But to sort of parse every piece of economic data for whether or not that's going to change their decision probably is uh, – is a fool's game right now. And I will say the good news is the Fed is clearly going to cut rates. They're not raising rates anymore. They're going to cut rates. When they start is probably less important to why they start. And if they start because they feel they're overly uh, aggressive with monetary policy or they're overly restrictive, then I think that would be for the right reasons. If they, uh, if they have to cut rates because the economy is slowing down too much, that would be the wrong reason. So I think it's much more important to focus on the why versus the when. We're getting rate cuts this year. If it doesn't happen until May, I don't think that's a game stopper for either the market or for earnings. And then talking about uh, potential risks in 2024, uh, China's economy is slowing down. And does that have the potential uh, to be the contagion that uh, brings the rest of the world with it? Or has uh, the U.S. economy uh, somewhat isolated itself from China over the past three years because of those supply chain disruptions coming out of COVID? Such a great question. And you're bringing back the Asian contagion that we talked about back in the 90s. Some people might have to Google that, but uh, I will tell you that the Chinese economy has just struggled in its pre in its reopening from the pandemic. They had an often on opening process over the course of three years and have not been able to reach their economic goals. Now, they just reported their GDP uh, for the fourth quarter last night, and it came in at 5.2 percent. Estimates were for 5.3 percent. So certainly not falling off a cliff here. In China, the second largest economy in the world, has a lot of levers to pull as a controlled economy. So they will likely have to uh, uh, get more aggressive in their stimulus, and that may not kick in into the back half of this year. So what that means is the demand from China for goods and services globally has been less than anticipated as we started the new year. That's uh, taking a dent out of uh, the price per barrel of oil and certainly other um, industrial metals, et cetera. I think eventually China will find a way to reposition themselves in a, in a faster-paced economy. They're just not doing it yet. So, yeah, that's one of the things we're keeping a very close eye on. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist, B. Riley Financial in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, using loud budgeting to increase your savings. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. A trend that's blown up on TikTok is referred to as loud budgeting. Let's learn about it from Sherry Greco-Rikus, co-founder of Rappaport Rikus Capital Management in Chicago, author of the book, maximize your return in life. Uh, Sherry, thank you for joining us today. And this has to be music to your ears, a social media trend that's actually constructive. It doesn't encourage you to eat light bulbs or jump off a milk crate. Uh, it, it, it encourages you to do constructive things with your life. I love it. I mean, big luxury purses, big luxury cars are out. Big savings is in loud budgeting and what i love is young people on tiktok are embracing this and spreading the word so this this is a classic case though of 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 their parents are probably telling them these same things imparting these same lessons but uh, you know mom and dad they're a couple of squares they grew up in the 80s you know that kind of thing and uh, but but you listen to the people on social media they're the voices you trust Yep, it's the influencers. And as much as we try to influence our own children, 
TikTok is where it's at. I mean, that's where they're getting their news and that's where they're getting their ideas. And it's, you know, I have always said the biggest gift you can give to yourself is live within your means. And I've been fighting social media and FOMA, the fear of missing out, external pressures. And I am so excited that this trend is here and hopefully we can change some people today. And it seems like the uh, the, the the rapid uh, rise in prices over the last couple of years, even though inflation has leveled off uh Compared to the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, the psychological impact of watching uh, prices go up is still there, and it may actually stay with people for for quite some time. And I think everybody has this, you know, regardless of age or regardless of uh, what social media uh, application you consume, uh, everybody kind of has this uh, internal math problem they do where they determine: Is this worth it? Uh, do I need to go out to dinner? Do we have to go to the uh, insanely expensive resort. Uh, do we have to uh, purchase the name brand versus the store brand? And this TikTok trend seems to be another manifestation of that internal algebra that we all do. Yeah, and it's, it's being authentic to yourself. It's going to your own values. What's important to you? Just because your friend calls you up and wants to try this great new restaurant, maybe you'd rather save the money in your emergency fund, but let it known. Tell your friend, great, you know, I love restaurants, enjoy the restaurant, but tonight I'm going to make myself dinner and I'm going to put that $200 I might have spent on the liquor in the restaurant into my emergency fund. So it's all about choices. I've said this on your show before. You can have anything you want, not everything. So pick what's most important to you, not what's most important to society or your friends or anyone else. What's important to you? And if you want to turn this into a challenge, it seems like it is easier today compared to ever before because you can see uh, via various applications or via you know various stores uh, how much money you're spending. I mean, this is not a TikTok challenge. My wife and I, for a little while, when you go to the the grocery store and they tell you you know how much money you saved, uh, taking advantage of their various deals, we try to compare like you know, on a percentage basis. Uh, what did you get knocked off at the register? And by the way, that's a very satisfying feeling. Uh, watching your, uh, your, your the, the final price of your grocery bill uh, go down by $35. Yeah, and there's, oh, you know, with the Internet today, you can pretty much price shop everything. And I always say, you know, even when you go on Amazon and one of those sites, don't always pick the first product that pops up because that's the one they're trying to entice you. Dig a little deeper, wait for coupons, wait for maybe out of season, you can buy something you need for your home. So, there's a lot of things out there, but just because something's on sale, you're still buying it. And, you know, my dad used to always say to my mom, you know, I love that you bought everything on sale, but you're still buying it. <laughs> that you take care of. Uh, and, you know, what my mom used to say to him, I have enough confidence that you'll be able to make enough money for what I spend. So it was a joke that they went up and back, but I still remember that. If they've only, if, if only they had heard of loud budgeting and TikTok, and if you explain that uh, one day uh, kids will be learning everything from TikTok, they would have looked at you funny. Uh, Sherry greco Rikus, co-founder of Rappaport Rikus Capital Management in Chicago, author of the book, Maximize Your Return on Life. Thank you for joining us today. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A federal judge is signed 
fighting with the White House blocking JetBlue Airways from buying Spirit Airlines. We're joined by Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University in Chicago. Joe, thank you for joining us today. So uh, once again, uh, JetBlue is in search of a bride. Uh, their attempt to They tried to uh, merge with Frontier. That didn't work. And now a federal judge is uh, giving the thumbs down to a combination with Spirit. Where do they go from here? Yeah, this is causing a real stir in the industry. You know, Spirit uh, just can't seem to get the numbers to work for them. They've been losing money. Their uh, stock price plummeted when the judge ruled that JetBlue uh, can't acquire them. So there's uh, a real uh, real concern about the future of Spirit right now. Uh, we're all surprised at this a bit because it's unusual. Uh, they're not blocking this on antitrust grounds that, you know, too much market power it's that the public will lose if we, if we, uh, you know, the spirit ultra low business model goes away. So it's a, it's a real shocker. Now, what uh, I mean, spirit though, I mean, even though it kind of has taken its lumps, uh, reputationally speaking, uh, in the airline industry, does have a pretty loyal customer base. Uh, it, it it does get you from point A to point B at a reasonable price, and they have quite the presence at O'Hare. Uh, so where do they go from here? You know, it's really interesting. You look at Europe, and these ultra-low business uh, models are really flourishing with Ryanair, EasyJet, and Wiz. They're just growing fast, and they're making money. And for whatever reason, Spirit has never quite been able to get that to work. I think their heavy emphasis on leisure markets north-south are really great during peak season, but then during summer and so forth, they go out with low loads. And they got really escalation in pilot costs. So uh, they just haven't been able to get uh, get their feet uh, on the ground uh, profitability-wise. So they tried to merge or have a uh, tie-up with Frontier. That didn't happen. So we're likely to see a big move where maybe a couple of the uh, ultra-discounters come together and try to consolidate you know, could be Frontier again, could be Allegiant, but uh, something's going to happen to Spirit. Yeah, I had my uh, my 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 memory was a little fuzzy uh, when it came to uh, who was trying to combine with whom. And yes, this was originally began with a Spirit and Frontier uh, trying to merge, and then uh, JetBlue basically muscling itself in. Uh, what did uh, what 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 was what was the end game for JetBlue? What did they get out of this? You know, JetBlue sees that we got the big four, you know, Delta, United, American, and Southwest, and they are a little fish compared to them. And they want to beef up and become of a national presence. And the uh, best way to do that now is to acquire an airline because it's, it's tough to grow. And so they made no secret that they want to become a nationally known carrier, and Spirit would buy them that. I think what's odd about this tie-up is they have two completely different business models, and there's going to be some transition pain to try to switch Spirit into a regular full-service airline. We're all kind of wondering if uh, if that's not an ultra-risky strategy right now with uh, the way people are buying post-pandemic. Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today, giving us insights on the uh, the Spirit JetBlue merger, which has uh, got the thumbs down from a federal judge yesterday. If you missed any part of the Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.